We're talking about relationships 101. Everybody say relationships 101. We're going to get to the, the base root of what Jesus said in the Bible says in the Holy Scriptures about how we should relate to one another. Can I get a witness? Because if the church doesn't get it right, you've heard me say this before, society and culture will never get it right. It starts with us. We, we should be the shining light. We should be the express image of God's manifold wisdom in the earth realm. As the world looks at the church, they should see a group of believers who know how to get along, who are displaying the unity that Jesus prayed about in John, the 17th chapter. Amen? So relationship one one the first two uh, lessons that we caught, we, we, we entitled it Love One Another. When Jesus told us to love one another. Now, love is an action word, Right? It is an action word, and we got to learn how to love one another. All the other, all the other one another's are hands on us understand, understanding and walking in what is known as agape love. Everybody say agape love. That's a God kind of love. I've shared with you all on, on numerous occasions that in, uh, in, in the Greek language, there were five uh, primary words for love, and you got to know which, which love people are talking about. I am not talking about epithumia, because you can't epithumia everybody. Do y'all know what epithumia is? That's sex. That's where we get the term making love. Epithumia. Storge, that is a sense of belonging and family security. Eros, that's romance. We're rolling up on Valentine's Day. And all the husbands in the house, husbands, husbands, boyfriends, fiancés in the house, she may say, you don't have to get me anything. You better find something. Can, can, can I get a witness? She may say it, but, and, and she may seem like she's so sincere. Don't get me anything. I don't care if, if this is a box of chocolate. Get something. All right? So eros is that type of love. And phileo is friendship. But all of those are not what keys the relational connectivity that Jesus commanded us to engage in as a body of believers than the, the, the Greek word agape, which is the God kind of love. You cannot do this in your own strength. You can't love the unlovable. You can't love your enemies like we were commanded to do in the scriptures without agape, the God kind of love, the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of us. Now, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go with me to, to Romans, the first chapter, and we're going to read verse number 16, Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. Romans 1, verse 16. Uh, you know, uh, we, we left off last week giving you an illustration of Christian love because Jesus uh, wanted it plain. He wanted to be understood when that lawyer questioned him about who's my neighbor. And uh, uh, I told you there was three facts about that good Samaritan that should teach us something about what Jesus means when he commands us to love one another. See, everything in love and the gospel has implications. When you say you love someone, then that means that love should be personified. It should be demonstrated. Uh, the, the Bible says uh, that, that, that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I told you on last week that word commended means he demonstrated. And love should be demonstrated. Can I get a witness? Let's read, uh, so let's read Romans 1, uh, verse 16 right quick, 
and then we're going to jump into our lesson text for the day. Because the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan uh, personifies what we should be like as believers. The, the Samaritan, I told you, cared about a man he had never met. We go to 318 church, most of those folks we never met before unless we've been, been there before. But that doesn't stop us from loving and showing God's, God's care for, for people who are marginalized. The Samaritan also assisted a man who was his natural enemy. I told you on last week, listen to me very carefully. Jesus was very intentional when he shared this, this parable of the Good Samaritan. Because he is, he's not only intentional, but I believe he was, he was being prophetic in nature in sharing this story. Because anybody who lived at that time knew and understood that Jews and Gentiles hated one another. The ethnic hatred and prejudice was, was at a high, high level. And yet Jesus used the illustration of a Samaritan and a Jew. The Samaritan being the one to help the Jew, whereas the priest and the Levite went by on the other side. Can I get a witness? It was into that racially charged and divided world that Jesus created an alternative community of unity called the kingdom of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He created that and that the gospel was interfaced into that, into that type of society and it carved out a pathway that led to healing amongst people. The gospel has the power to transform life. Listen to me carefully. God can bring different groups of people together and bring healing to our ethnic divide today if we are willing to obey Jesus and live out his gospel. So as your pastor, I am going to be pressing, I'm going to be preaching, and I'm going to be sweating, and I'm going to be talking loud like I'm talking loud now because I want everybody to hear what I am saying. I am going to share with you what the gospel says. This is not about your preference. So many churches get all sidetracked because people have, all of us got different preferences, right? And you can't, listen, that's going to be something that probably you would prefer to do a different way. But hey, listen, if you're where God told you to be, flow with it. Can I get a witness? God is doing a good thing at this church, I believe. And Again, so, so, so think about this. He, he, he spoke this into existence. He, he talks about it. He gives this parable to share what, it meant, what love looks like being demonstrated. And the third and last thing we said, the Samaritan sacrificed himself for a man who could not repay him. The man couldn't repay him, guys. The, 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 this man was not only injured, but he was broke because he got, just got robbed, right? He had just been robbed, but the Samaritan gave of his own resources with no expectation of being Repaid. Now, this cost this man something. Love will cost you something. Are y'all with me? It costs him time, right? How many of y'all know time is precious? Amen. How many of y'all know time is money? Right? It costs him time. No doubt he had a schedule to keep, but he stopped anyway. How many of y'all are too busy to serve the Lord? How many of y'all are too busy to engage in discipleship training? How many of you are too busy to go and serve. How many are too busy to go and help someone? It costs him time. It, it, it also costs him some resources. Amen. When you love somebody, listen, I love this woman here on this front row, and, and whatever I got, she can have. Did y'all hear me? Did you hear me? 
It's not my money and her money. It's our money. I got to repeat that again because some of y'all, some of y'all in one of these homes where it's his money and her money and she got to borrow money from him and pay him back. Are you out of your mind? Do you really think that that's God honoring? The Bible says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave with his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. You are one unit and it's not your money and her money and his money. It's our money when you get married. I know your mama told you, keep your little something, something on the side. Don't tell him everything. I know your daddy told him, hide that, you know, you never know because something may happen. You keep your little stash over there on the side so that, don't, don't tell her about that. Oh, y'all know I'm right about it. Can I get a witness up in there? How many of y'all have heard that kind of tomfoolery? But that's not the God, that's not God's way of doing marriage. So if you're in that boat, I'm telling you right now, you are, you are out of order. Whatever I have, she has. And whatever she has, I have. Because we are one. Is that right, baby? Can I get an amen from me again? Say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and see, when I talk like this, some of y'all think, well, well he's just showing. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth, okay? Because I know, I've, I've been around long enough, and I did enough marriage conferences and fellowship to where I know people, people have all kinds of things going on in their life. And because you refuse to do it God's way, you're suffering and you're hurting. Or your, your level of your relationship is not where it could be if you yield it to Jesus Christ. So, so, so this guy, it, it cost him resources, it cost him energy, and it cost him some sleep also because he spent the night watching over this man during those first critical 24 hours. And it cost him money. And it cost him some indebtedness because he says, whatever the guy, whatever charges that are ringed up, I'll pay it when I come back through. That's a demonstration of love. So, so we ought to love one another, but we get into this next part. The next one is we ought to accept one another. Everybody say accept one another. Are y'all in Romans chapter 1, verse number 16? Let's get there right quick. Romans 1, verse 16. Let me get there. Amen? Accept one another. Now, this is really important. I need you to pay attention. What I'm getting ready to share with you is not a social experience. Experiment is not a political solution. It is a God-honoring thing. It is God's mandate for the gospel message. Are you with me? And if you want to be godly, you got to follow the word. God and his word are one and the same. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. So the Bible, God's word, amen, expresses God's heart for mankind. So Romans chapter 1, are you with me? Uh, Let's look at verse number 16 right quick, and then we'll move down through here. Verse 16 says what? For it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish, what? By faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, the Bible commands us to accept one another 
and not show favoritism. All right, so let, let's, let's give a little uh, background on this text so we can make sure that we are, are actually grasping everything that God wants to know. We're talking about accepting one another. Everybody say accepting, accepting. One, another. one another. In the book of Romans, Paul wrote to explain the gospel. But beyond that, guys, he wrote, he wrote to address the implications of the gospel also. Everybody say implications. So what, what are those implications? Well, namely, the concept of Gentile inclusion in what may have otherwise become an all-Jewish uh, gospel, an all-Jewish local church, and an all-Jewish kingdom of God. Into that, into that frame of mind, he writes here in Romans, Paul writing, to express the fact that the, one of the implications of the gospel is, is that it's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles also. First, Paul establishes his authority and, and calling as an apostle set apart for the gospel. Go back to, the, if you will, back up to verse 1 of this very same chapter. He first establishes authority and calling as an apostle and uh, set apart for the gospel. Look what he says, verse 1 down through verse 4. Can we read it together? Are you here with me? Are you going to participate today? Are we going to read together? Let's go, guys. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach what? His good news. Next verse, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Verse number three, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of what? Of the Holy Spirit. So here, Paul, Paul establishes authority and calling as an apostle set apart for the gospel. Next, he explores his own unique mission within that assignment. Look at verse number five. His own unique mission within that assignment of spreading the gospel. Verse five, are y'all ready to go? Let's read together. Through Christ... God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. So Paul right here established the fact that, that, that the Holy Spirit set him apart to take the message to the Gentiles also. Now, Paul was a Jew. He was the Jewish of the Jewish. He, he had all of the credential. He had all of the religious street cred. But God told him, I'm going to use you to take this message to the Gentiles. Because there were some of his Jewish brethren who thought that they had a patent on God and that, that nobody else could have a relationship with God except them. But here he says, I've been sent. Now, y'all remember when I told you, Paul, Paul's uh, a, a mandate to go to the Gentile didn't make him popular amongst the Jews. As a matter of fact, it wasn't, he wasn't necessarily pop, popular among the Gentile people either, but particularly his own folks got mad at him because he was taking the message of salvation to the, to the Gentiles. Remember what I told you? Theologically and biblically speaking, there was only two ethnicities. What? Jew and Gentile. If you're not a Jew, every other ethnicity is considered a Gentile. We, for years, we've just kind of swiped over that and not really made it relatable to what's happening in the church in America today. So much so that, that there are some who think that you can't coexist together in one local body. 
because we have different ethnicity. I'm here to tell you that is the that is the core principle of the gospel message. The implication of the gospel is that, that he will bring all together in one body. And not just when we get to heaven. Some of y'all love to sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. When we all see Jesus, we will see and shout the victory. How do you think we're going to get to heaven and be all joyful, but we can't get along down here? As they say on the streetcar, make it make sense. <laughs> Revelations, I believe it's the seventh chapter, verse number nine. I don't have time to go there. It talks about the fact that men from every tongue, tribe, and nation will be around the throne worshiping and serving uh, and, and, and just casting our crown at the feet of Jesus. It, there will not be any differentiation, amen, when we get to heaven. But we do know people going to still know what you came from, what you look like. Because it says men from every tongue, tribe, and nation will be there in heaven. But Jesus prayed that thy will be done where? On earth. On earth as it is where? So if in heaven it's people from every tongue and tribe and nation together serving and worshiping Jesus, he says that same thing should be happening on earth. Are y'all still tracking with me? Oh, I'm going to keep giving you Bible, okay? Throughout the book of Romans, Paul pairs these two concerns. What are you talking about, preacher? Teaching the gospel and clarifying its individual and its collective impact. Go into the third chapter, and we're going to look at verse number 21. Romans chapter 3, verse number 21. Glory to God. Everybody say, accept one another. So what we have to understand is that at this time, he writes this, this letter to the saints at Rome. You had an interesting dynamic that has taken place because these Roman uh, citizens and these Roman Christians were, you know, were, 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 were primarily Gentile in nature. And so now you have in the church, you have Jews and Gentiles coming together for the, for, for the first time uh, in, this, in this new thing called the church. And so when you have people coming together from different backgrounds, sometimes you, got a little, you have little issues that are happening. And you have little, little, little uh, 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 I guess, little idiosyncrasy, little things that you did your way and you want it done that way. It may not be even uh, 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 instrumental for, uh, as, as it relates to the gospel and somebody being saved, but maybe you had certain dietary restrictions and certain dress codes that you were accustomed to. And now because you were accustomed to it, you want to make the Gentiles do the very same thing that you were doing. I'll keep talking and I'll keep reading the scripture, okay? Are y'all with me today? Romans, the, Romans chapter 3, look at verse number 21 and 22 with me right quick. Are y'all there? Can we read together? This is Paul still talking. Let's go. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse number 22, let's read together. It says what? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. I, I need you to read that again, okay? Verse number 21, let's go back. Come on, let's go. But now, stop. 
He's saying under the New Testament dispensation, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping what? As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, let's go. says what? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Skip down to verse number 29 through 31. 29 says this. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Paul said, of course he is. But now, understand something now. There were still some Jews who thought, these Gentiles, they, they got a little stink on them. We can't fool with them. We're a little bit better than them. We got a patent on God. But look at what Paul says here. He says, isn't it also... Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. Verse 30, let's read. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Verse 31, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Let's go to the 10th chapter. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13. I got to keep moving here, guys. We're talking about accepting one another. In this newfound community called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have these different ethnic groups coming together in many times for the first time and they're trying to do life together, trying to serve God together. And, and, and there were some who were having problems with it. So Paul writes to get their mind straight. I'm preaching to get your mind straight. I'm preaching to get my mind straight. I, listen, when I, when, I, when, when I fully grasp the concept of the implications of the gospel, something that has implications, that was if I say I love my wife, then the implication of that should be a lot of different things. I should take care of her. I should not uh, physically abuse her or mentally abuse her. If I love her, I should, I should seek her highest good at all times. That is the implication of loving someone. Amen. If someone tells you that they love you, but they're, but they're not doing those things to, to seek your highest good, their love is misconstrued. Amen. Let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all ever dated somebody? I mean, I'm not, not going to ask you about your marriage right now, okay? Uh, but maybe you dated someone and they told you that they love you, but they didn't treat you like they love you. Just nod your head at me. I don't, I don't want you to embarrass yourself. Yeah, that dude, that dude, that dude who you were running after. Yes, that girl who, who your mama, who had, who had a discerning spirit said, I don't know about her. Yeah, something on the inside of me tells me that, 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 that something's not quite right. How many of y'all have had somebody who told you that they love you, but their actions didn't demonstrate it? How many of y'all have told Jesus you love him, but your actions didn't demonstrate it? You said you love Jesus, but you never spent any time with him. You never talked to him except when you needed something from him. You prayed fervently when you needed a job, but once you got the job, you forgot about Jesus. You prayed fervently when you were sick, and when he healed your body, you promised on your sick bed that, Lord, I will serve you the rest of my days, and we ain't seen you in 10 years. 
You know, we, 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 we kind of fickle about using words and saying stuff. But you know what? I've, I've learned in my life just to watch people. And don't watch them for two minutes. Watch them for a long period of time. People will show you who they really are when you see their actions. God showed us who he really was because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Are y'all in Romans 10 with me? Look with me at verse 9 through 13. Ready? Let's read. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Next verse. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are what? Saved. Next verse. Let's read. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Let's go. Jew and Gentile are the same. Let me, let, me put, let, me, let me just substitute it. I'm not changing scripture, but every ethnicity is the same in this respect. They have what? The same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Next verse. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. I got to go to Romans, the 15th chapter. Look at verse number 14. Romans 15. Here's where we get into the heart of some of this thing. Romans 15. Starting at verse number 14. I want you to see the scripture. I don't want you to think this is all I was making this up. Because for too long, we came into church and we, we, we sort of just kind of, I don't know. We, you know, we just, you know, we were part of the church. We were saved, but we were, did we really dial in to being a submissive Christian? One who, who lets Jesus not only be your savior, but your Lord. When he's Lord of your life, that means he governs and controls every aspect of your life. And what I've discovered in 35 years of pastoring There are a lot of people who've asked Jesus Christ to come in their heart to save them, but they really haven't made him Lord of their life. Because when he's Lord of your life, it'll be evident in your actions. Are y'all still with me? Now watch what Paul says here. Let's go. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. All right, Let's, let's keep reading. Even so, knowing that all you need is this reminder, for by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. The the Roman church was a primarily Gentile church. He says, I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God. Made holy by what? Made holy by what? The Holy Spirit. Let's keep moving. It says what? So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Let's go. Yet I dare not boast about anything, what? Except what Christ has done through me. Bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. Let's keep going. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of what? God's spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Okay, next verse. 
My ambition has always been to do what? All right. Next verse. Come on, let's go. The plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those... 22, final verse. Let's read. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. In these places. One last one, the 16th chapter. Verse number... 25. Romans 16, verse number 25. All right. It says what? Let's read. But now. This message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. Forever. Amen. So now. Is it clear to you now that the gospel was for not only the Jews but the Gentiles? Just by what Paul is saying right here. Now, he had to write this because, you know, in Paul's view, Gentile inclusion is is inextricably linked to the gospel. It is unable to be separated from the gospel message. Not simply as the gospel pertains to eternal life. Because a lot of people say, well, you know, when we get to heaven, we all be together. But Jesus said, I need and I'm praying that you would pray that my will will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Are y'all with me today? But we need to understand that he's bringing Jew and Gentile together into the one body here on earth so that he can show his manifold wisdom and love for mankind. We are here to develop amen, that same type of unity in the local church as well as the universal church. Are y'all still with me? So go to John, the fourth chapter right quick. He told the parable of the Good Samaritan to, to illustrate the love. He chose that. And as I told you on last week, that would have shocked a lot of the people who were hearing him in that day because of the, 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 the ethnic and racial climate and the divide in that day. Jesus used that illustration to show what love looks like. So go to John, the fourth chapter. Here we go again. John chapter four, and we'll begin our reading at verse number one. John four, verse number one. The text says this. Ready, read. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Text says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. Why? Why was she surprised, guys? For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Can I put it in modern day terms? Whites had anything, refused to have anything to do with blacks, and blacks had anything, had, refused to have anything to do with whites, and Asians and Hispanics had, had refused to have anything to do with any of us. If you put it in that term, he says they refused 
She was surprised. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritan. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Look at this. Let's keep going. It says what? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you what? Living water. Living water. Let's keep reading. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Watch Jesus here. Let's go. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Next verse, let's go. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But watch this. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Now let's, let's unpack just for a second. There are several barriers Right here, you and, and you that studied the Bible know the rest of the story. How after Jesus got through talking to this woman and telling her about herself, we're going to see what he told her. She went into her own village and began to testify. Come see a man who told me everything about myself. She began to preach about this Jesus. Are y'all with me today? But there were there were clearly some barriers to her becoming a disciple that made her discipleship very unlikely. First, there was the racial ethnic barrier. Here we are again. It's interesting to me that Jesus kept on using and bringing this up. Y'all think this ethnic and racial stuff is new? It ain't new. It's been here since the earth was formed because sin is at the root cause of every racial and ethnic hatred that exists between different cultures. It is sin. And the only thing that can solve it is the message and the transforming power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. No program is going to do it, not permanently, but it is the gospel being lived out and obeyed to its fullest extent where you begin to see true healing take place. And that's why it's so important for the church to get it right. The church has been a, 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 a drag on on the culture, understanding what it means to love unconditionally. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So it's a racial ethnic barrier. No, again, intense hatred existed between Jews and Samaritans. And it began some 750 years earlier when the Assyrians took the Israelites captive. After years of enduring hardship in prison camps, they were released and allowed to return to Jerusalem. But when they arrived back home, they discovered that many of their countrymen, because the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. They were mixed race. Are you with me today? All right. So, so when they returned back home after being in captivity, they discovered that many of their countrymen who had been left behind had intermarried with the surrounding pagans and had assimilated some of their religious practices. And so here we go. Since Jewish law forbade intermarrying, all right, the loyal Jews regarded intermarrying as intolerable and they just stayed away from, they, they hated the Samaritans, y'all. They, 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 they shunned those who in their mind had betrayed them and they refused to allow them to participate in the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. The, the shunned half-Jews settled in Samaria and the Samaritans were despised by even the most tolerant of Jews. Well, by New Testament time, 
this racial, ethnic, uh, racial and ethnic hatred was so intense that the Jews, I told you before, traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, refused to take the direct right route through Samaria in order to avoid coming in contact with Samaritans. They went out of the way. One writer said instead of heading north, they traveled eastward many miles out of their way until they crossed the Jordan River. And he says, then they headed northward along the river until they had passed by Samaria safely and could cross the Jordan and travel westward into Galilee. It'll be like if you were on I-20 coming east, going to Ruston, but you didn't want to go through Shreveport, Bossier. And so when you, when, you, when you got to, I'm trying to figure out, Danny, you might have to help me with my geography here, but, but uh, when you got to the outskirts of Shreveport, Bozo, or when you, got, when you got to Marshall, Texas, you took 59 North, went on 80, then got off 80, then took one of them, them side roads up to Vivian, crossed over, went all the way up to Arkansas on US 82, came back down 82, and came down to Ruston uh, on, on 167, and now you went, all, you went all the way around to keep from going through Shreveport, Bozo. Now, y'all, somebody got to check me out on my geography there. I may not have been quite right, but you get the gist, right? They went out of their way because they didn't want to have the possibility of running into a Samaritan. It was that kind of hatred that existed. Those extra miles were worth the trouble to any Jew so that they could avoid rubbing shoulders with the Samaritan. But John tells us in John 4 and 4 in the KJV, it says Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Gary, he must needs go through. I believe it was prophetically, amen, a, a, a part of his journey to show that the gospel message is for everybody. Are you with me today? But this woman was surprised that he was even talking to her. He had to go through Samaria on the way. It was not a geographical necessity. It was a divine imperative, guys. Jesus refused to go out of his way to avoid certain people like some of us do. Oh, let's get to the heart of the matter now. We go out of our way to not run into certain people. Let me come to this side over here. I want you to think about all the people you've tried to avoid in your life. You go out of your way not to sit, to sit, sit beside certain people. Oh, you might not do it here in church, but what about when you're at the movie theater? What about when you're at the ball game? What about when you're in the grocery store and you go down a different aisle? You know that sugar's on that aisle. <laughs> but you see that person from church who you don't like. And it may not be because of their ethnicity, it's because you, you, got, you got beef with them, you, you're mad at them, and you refuse to forgive, and you don't want to have anything to do with them. You saw them, yeah, you saw them, then, you go, then when, you, when God prophetically allows you to bump into them on the other eye, girl, girl, I didn't know you were here. Yes, you, you, you did know she was in there. You ought to stop that. Some of us can lie good, can't we? But we avoid people who we don't want to have anything to do with. And I'm here to tell you, some of those very people who you're avoiding are some of the very ones that God has placed you on this earth to minister to. And you got to get over yourself and let Jesus be Lord of your life and let him use you like he wants to use you. 
Can I get one witness up in here? So that was the, the ethnic barrier. Then that was the gender barrier. According to Jewish religious rules, a rabbi was not to have a public conversation with a woman, not even his wife or his sister. Now think about that. If Maria and I are at the ball game, I can't even talk to her. Hello? That was the custom, y'all. So, so and in, in, in the minds of many Jewish men, women were second-class citizens with no rights and no dignity, just a few notches above the animals. The women existed for the convenience of men. But let me tell you something. When Jesus came, even while he was on earth, Jesus liberated women. Jesus, amen, amen, freed women to serve in ministry. If you go back and study, study the history in Jesus' time on earth, the, the women were able to do much more once Jesus, amen, walked the face of this earth. Are y'all with me today? But when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus treated her as a person worthy of courtesy and respect. Jesus elevated the status of women. Jesus treated men, women with respect and compassion, which was unheard of in his day. So last, we have a spiritual bar- barrier. There was also a spiritual bar- barrier between Jesus and this woman. She was a sinful woman. Her life had been a series of failures, bad decisions, and rejection. Can we go back to the text right quick? Watch this, okay? Um, he says it, um, let's start at verse number 11. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're, gr- you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirst again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirst again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband. Now watch this. Jesus, all of a sudden, he just kind of switches gears here. Now, Jesus is wise. Y'all know that, right? And in this, there's an object lesson for all of us to understand something. What Jesus does, he meets, I said, there's a spiritual barrier here. He meets this woman who's void of salvation. But Jesus said, he says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Now, now watch this. He says this, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the, to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sound like Jesus was kind of coming at her a little bit hard there, wasn't he? This woman had been married five times and I would surmise that she probably had given up on marriage and decided I'm just going to shack now. I'm just going to have a, bo- I'm gonna have a live-in boyfriend. And let me tell y'all something. Y- y'all heard me say this before. Um, and, and I have, I have uh, preached this because I think it's, 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 it's critically important. Why would you stay with somebody and, and all of the, 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 the benefits of marriage are there, but you won't think enough of that person to go down and get a marriage license that costs maybe $45? I just don't understand that. Because it, it, to me, it, it, it indicates a lack of really true commitment. Now, I've had people that I've counseled and I do marriage counseling and I, and I walk them through it. I don't, I, listen, when, when somebody's there, I, I say, listen, listen, here's what God's word said. You remember this church. I love you. And I, I want to tell you the truth, okay? I'll marry you right here. 
You can do your wedding a year from now if you want to. I've done it on, on numerous occasions. I said, but, but, but if you think about this, you, you're saying you're committed, but you're really not committed. And you actually are dishonoring God. You, you, you're putting yourself in a position where your testimony can be hindered because of your living arrangement. Amen. You're doing everything that married people do. Don't, don't, don't tell me that y'all just living together and ain't no sex going on. Well, brother pastor, why are you talking about sex? Well, because the Bible talks about uh, God, uh, uh, God created sex and sex is good, right? But he created with boundaries within the confines of the marital relationship. I know that may seem like it's old fogey and people don't want to talk about it, but there's too much fornicating in the church. There he goes again. I'm just sharing with you what the word of God says. Well, I'm grown. Ain't no man going to. Listen, this, I'm just, well, just talk to God. Don't be getting mad at me. Talk to God. God, listen, and, 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 and we'll, we'll talk about sexuality and those type of things. And, and I talk about it from a biblical perspective. And, and it's not anything to be considered to be dirty and nasty because God created it. But he had boundaries to protect us. Okay. So, I don't know how I got on that, off on that. But here's what I would tell you. I, I, I work with people, and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not throwing anybody away. I just want to get you to, to where you're in a, a proper place with God. And when you get married, do marriage God's way. Some people get married, and they, they, just, like they just lose their mind. Do it God's way. So, so this woman here had had five husbands, and Jesus said, the one you got now is not, he don't belong to you. Y'all just stand together. Is that right? So, so let's keep reading. He says this. Uh, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerasim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said this, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. Now, Jesus reached out in love to this woman because, again, uh, no rabbi, no self-respecting Jewish rabbi in this day would have even talked to this woman in public. But here Jesus is, just like the parable of the Good Samaritan, is now bucking the norm, getting beyond the cultural nuances of the day, getting beyond the racial hatred, the ethnic hatred, and he's now approaching this woman when the average rabbi wouldn't even looked at her. How many of y'all know Jesus breaks down the norm? 
Jesus, amen, tears up your, your way of thinking. He tears up your cultural upbringing. He says, I'm going to do it the way my father sent me to do it. Yeah. And he, he, he approached this woman and he talked with her. So, so Jesus reached out in love. Jesus welcomed everyone without showing partiality. And we should do the very same thing. He didn't cater to the rich, but he didn't associate only with outcasts either. He welcomed Nicodemus, who was a wealthy religious leader, as well as the sinful Samaritan woman. The church needs all kinds in the church. We need people who have money. We need people who don't have money. Because if all of us ain't got no money, how are we going to do ministry? Let me say it again. Because that, like, like that kind of just dapping the room there. We, need, we don't need everybody on Social Security here. Let me back up and say it again. If we're going to fund ministry, we can't have everybody who's economically depressed in order to do ministry at the level that God wants us to do it. So God brings all kinds. And it's not about your money. I'm just saying that God brings all kinds in the church. There are some churches who, if you don't have a certain income level, they make you feel like this. And I told y'all, it doesn't matter what you do out there. Your title, you could be the world's richest man. But if Bill Gates, is he still alive? Yes, he is, I think. If Elon Musk with his crazy self, if he was up in here, he'll be treated just like everybody else. Okay, my wife said, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I can't call him crazy. I'm just saying he, he's different. But if Elon Musk was up in this place right here, he would be just like everybody else. And that's the way Jesus would have treated him. And that's where we treat everybody up in here. Some churches, it's not their way. I'm just saying we got to get beyond it because Jesus even taught about that. When a man who's, who, who, who's rich and, 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 and has all these things come in, you invite him up front. The other guy, you, you send him in the back somewhere. Listen, there are no reserved seats in here. If you want to sit on the front row, I told you, if you want to feel good about yourself, the first two rows, I'm designated first class. So all y'all on row one until you're in first class. Feel good. Give yourself a hand. You're in first class. That's what they do on the plane, right? Oh, let me tell you something real quick. I got to go. Uh, on our way to, um, uh, to Moraria's uncle's funeral a week or so ago, um, it was, the funeral was on Mamera's birthday. And I said, I, I, I want to do something that, that we don't, we rarely, if ever have done. I said, I, I want to surprise her. So on that second leg, you know, we fly from Shreveport to Dallas, Fort Worth and from Dallas, Fort Worth to San Diego, California. That's about a three hour flight from Dallas to San Diego. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to upgrade our seats. I'm going to take us from economy to first class. Now, we don't ever really fly first class because I think, see, if you're in first class or in economy, you get there at the same time. <laughs> you get there at the same time. Isn't that a blip? Now, maybe you get on the, on the, on the plane first, but you're waiting there on the plane. I'd rather stay out there in the lobby so if I have to go to the bathroom, I want to go to the bathroom in the lobby than on the bathroom in the plane. Have you ever tried to use a bathroom in the plane? <laughs> Boy, you got you to be really in depth. And... <laughs> but 
we flew first class there, y'all. And we were, I was going to try to get it back, but it was already full. I said, and you know, we were in first class. The seat is bigger. You got more leg room. You can order off a menu to get the food. And we were kind of like Jethro Bodine up in there, y'all. We were, <laughs> then we, were up in, we, were, we didn't even know how to let the tray out of the scene and bring it over. And what we did, we just watched what the person over there did. Don't y'all make fun of me. Some of, y- some of y'all would have been in the same boat. But it was, it, it, it was a good experience. I wouldn't do it all the time because me personally, you know, I'm a little bit frugal. Some may say I'm tight. I'm not tight, but I'm just, I'm just conscious of how dollars are spent. But we really enjoyed that. And then on the, it's, it's, it's amazing. On the way back, we didn't have that. And then when we walked by those folks in first class, Steve, it's kind of like we looked at them like, But it was good while we had it on the way there. Wasn't it, baby? I don't know how I got off on that. But what I'm telling you is Jesus approached people of various economic levels. He approached people of various ethnic, different ethnicities. It didn't matter to him because the gospel Central to its message is bringing all people together, regardless of ethnicity. And it has to be seen here in the earth. People keep saying, well, you know, just, just, you know, just, you know, why are you talking about this so much, Pastor? Because it's it's a part of the gospel. You go back and read Paul. Paul got, they want to, his own people want to kill him because he was going to the Gentiles. They sat and listened to his testimony until he said, God sent me to the Gentile. Oh, boy. They wanted to kill him. Wanted to throw him off a cliff because he was going to a different ethnic group. The sad reality is, guys, the reason why I'm preaching this, there are some places right now where if you went into that church, you wouldn't be welcome. But I'm going to tell you something. At, at the bridge at EBC Benton, everybody's welcome. Can I say it again? The bridge at EBC Benton, everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome because that is implicit with the gospel message. You can't get around it. And if you try to exclude people based on their ethnicity, you are out of the will of God. I don't care how much you say you love him, you don't love him like you say you do. Are y'all here? So except he reached out in love. The body of Christ is called to be inclusive just as Jesus was. We are to welcome people from every segment of society. So we're not going to be a snooty church. As a matter of fact, guys, y'all, y'all know sometimes we've been, we, we, we've been accused of being a bougie church. I, I don't know why. Somebody said, well, I, one time I went right down and looked at the parking lot and, and I saw these cars and that church is bougie. I don't even know what bougie, I know what it means, but you know what? I can't even hardly pronounce it. <laughs> but if somebody would have come in that door, and I've asked you all, how did people make you feel? And you said, man, everybody was welcoming, they was friendly, and, they, they, and we felt at home. And I like that. We're going to keep doing that. 
And we want, we, want, we want to expand beyond just that first welcome visit. We want to begin to do life together where people feel welcome all the time. That's the atmosphere we're going to set here. My wife shared with you one time when they were at a church when she was going to school. It was somewhere down south, I think maybe Baton Rouge somewhere. And they went to a Bible study and the church was so cold. They, made, they were made to feel so unwelcome. And she came back and, and that bothered her that she went to the church and nobody even spoke to them. We're not going to have that kind of church. From the time you drive on the parking lot, the parking lot guys are going to be smiling. And if you have a certain age, they're gonna, they'll, they'll come and get your car and park it for you. They're going to open the door and welcome you. Those boys, y'all don't mind me saying those boys, do you? Because y- y- y'all, we, we boys. <laughs> Gary and I grew up together. We, we, we grew up playing ball together, amen. Those boys are out there opening doors parking cars, getting an umbrella out when it's raining because they want to show that love of Christ from the moment you step on this campus. And then when you get inside this door, somebody should be at the door welcoming you. Saying welcome, come on in. Smiling at you. And if somebody happened to not smile, maybe they're having a bad day, don't hold it against them. Amen? But but if you don't know welcome team, if you can't smile a lot, we're going to tell you, hey baby, hospitality may not be for you. We're going to put you on this team over here. Are y'all with me? We want to place you where your gifting lies. But if you don't really kind of like, you know, you, you, you kind of mean looking, we're going, to, we're going to put you in the finance room or somewhere. <laughs> I'm just joking. Come on now. We're going to work with you so you can smile a little bit more, okay? Jesus not only reached out in love, but Jesus told the truth. Let me say something right here. It's never loving a right to hide the truth in the name of tolerance. Some people say, well, don't, don't say that because don't say that about what you believe, what the Bible says about uh, the union between a man and a woman is God's ordained pattern for, for marriage because you'll run people away. No, I, I got to speak the truth. I'm going to love everybody's welcome here. I don't care what, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction, you're still welcome here. We're not going to run you away, but we're going to try to minister to you and help you through that. And I know if somebody listens to this, they'll be writing and talking about I'm intolerant, that, that, that I'm draconian in my, in, my, in my thinking because times have changed. Baby, I'm just going to speak the truth in, in love. Amen. I cannot not speak the truth. The Bible backs me up in the biological make up a man and woman backs me up on that. So, but we still love everybody and we're not going to, we're not going to throw people away. We're not going to be mean pe- people. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to, we're going to love them with kindness, the love of Christ. Amen. 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 All right. That's, that's, that's our heart. Now, if somebody's not doing that, we, we got to have a talk in the conversation because God, Jesus, Jesus would bring people in. But with this woman, he did not ignore the fact that this woman was living in sin he, he told about herself, you had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Everybody said that was the truth. But what it did, it stimulated this woman to recognize when he says, I'm the Messiah, she embraced that and then she went and told those in her village. Then they came to see. And when they came to see, they accepted Christ. And they became born again. I'm going to talk about next week some practical ways we can build bridges and accept one another. Because I got to go into some of the things that the early church struggled with 
when it came to bringing Jew and Gentile together. And so there, there's, there's, when, we, when we do this, when, as we do this, we, we, have to, we have to be biblical in nature. Again, the gospel, the implication of the gospel is that he brings the different ethnic groups out of two people group, he makes one. So when that coming together takes place, there may be some, 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 some nuances that we got to overcome. We'll see how the early church did it, okay? Is that fair enough? And as we see how the early church did it, it'll help us to be able to do it even better. I'm not so naive enough to think that, that, that we don't have sometimes some, some, some friction or some, some, some getting used to certain things. But I know the truth of God's word. And I will die standing on that word. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But I'm going to stand on the word. And it is very clear. You have to pay somebody for you to misunderstand that the gospel was designed to bring all together in one body. And the only way the world is going to see that is they got to see it in the local church. They can't see it in the church in heaven. The world is to see it in the local church. Down here, seeing us serving together, loving together. Amen. Dealing with injustices together. I told Maria the other day, I said, you know what? Uh, it, it, this is, of course, this is, this is a celebration of Black History Month. And we thank God for the history. And I said, don't try to erase history. History is history. Learn from it. Grow from it. Uh, and I told Maria, I said, you know what? In order for, uh, for African-Americans to have gotten their freedom, they had to have white support. Do you realize that we're only 12% of the population of the United States? 12% and it may be even smaller now. But if you're only 12% of the population of the United States, how are you going to outvote the majority? You can't. So you have to have others working alongside with you to tear down some of these barriers that existed that were not God-honoring. So, so, so we, 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 we're talking about, Brother Craig sent me an article about this, this particular person who, who's a, 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 a Caucasian ethnicity who was very instrumental in the civil rights movement. And so it was, but, but, but we, got, we can't ignore this stuff. We got to talk about it in a God-honoring way. And we're going to break that barrier down as far as this church is concerned. And we, my goal is for us to stimulate other churches to have gospel conversations. Everybody say gospel conversations. To see the implication of the gospel message. And it's the gospel that brings us together. Not our political parties. Not where we come from, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we got to learn how to accept one another. Because that's, that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you right now for this. Pre-